You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. And with me is Wayne McCurry from FMB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, uh, the whole of South Africa seems to be up in arms about a certain proposed football sponsorship deal. It's been proposed by Sisulu and it's on behalf of SA Tourism. Have you seen that story? Yes, I know that story, yes. Yeah, and what do you make of it? It's, I mean, people will obviously say, well, the money could be better spent elsewhere. But on the other hand, SA Tourism is, is an entity and it's there to promote SA people coming to South Correct. Africa. So there's two sides of the story, I think. Look, the question should be, that money is SA Tourism's money. It's not the taxpayer's money. The taxpayer might put money into SA Tourism, but it's not as though it's a choice between building houses or schools and sponsoring Tottenham Hotspur. Exactly. That money is already allocated to be spent on promoting South Africa as a tourist destination. So the question should be, is it a wise spend? Because it's an awful big amount of money to be spent on sponsoring eighth most, the eighth most uh, valuable soccer team, in football team in the world. And what's the cost-benefit analysis? Has the sponsorship helped Rwanda? Has it helped Qatar? Yes. Has it helped mm. all the other guys who sponsor? I don't know the answer to that, but that should actually be the question. You know, it's not as though the government's taking money away from education to sponsor Tottenham Hotspur. That money is already part in the coffers of SA Tourism to sponsor tourism to South Africa. So the question should be, is this the most efficient way to spend a billion rand or not? I, I, I just, I don't know the answer to that. No, nor do I, but you make a very good point. I'm surprised at your knowledge of football sponsorship because every time I watch an Arsenal match, you know, that's Shapiro's team at the Emirates Stadium, there's huge banners throughout the game keep on coming up. Yes. Visit Rwanda. It's simple. Visit Rwanda. Obviously, the Emirates <coughs> airline is involved. And I think the first thing that SA Tourism should have done was to get on the blower to their counterparts in Rwanda and say, has it worked for you? And if so, how much did you have to spend on every extra person that visited Rwanda. That would be the key point for me. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I just don't know the efficiency of a, a football sponsorship. No, nor I do mean, I. I. I don't know if Tottenham is even to sponsor. I just don't know. You know, um, but I suppose you can make the same argument for sponsoring the Springboks or sponsoring the Proteas or sponsoring any football team. Yeah. Does it actually work? I just don't know. You know, the, there's been huge sponsorship of, of the Springboks over time, but I don't know whether it actually pays off or not. I just simply haven't got an idea. But as I said, you know, just to repeat myself, it's not a case of, oh, we should be spending this on housing or education or health. No, no, we're going to sponsor Tottenham Hotspur with the money. Yeah, they haven't diverted money from Eskom or education to sponsor yes. Tottenham. So, yeah, Correct. I would presume that they've got consultants that have, have come to them with this and say, look at the results with Rwanda or something. I'm sure they didn't just come up with it themselves, yeah. unless Sisulu is a mad Spurs fan. I mean, it's a possibility. You never know yeah, with South I, Africa. I, I just, I just, I look, look, I, I, know, I know there's a lot of prestige in, in sponsoring a big sporting team or event, you know, all the 
all the, I certainly know from sponsoring Formula One, you know, you get you, you go into the pits and you get invited to the cocktail parties and you meet all these very important people and you feel very, very important mm. in doing it. But whether it actually pays off, well, I suppose any advertising, unless it's, or you, unless you are promoting a specific deal where you can see exactly how many of that thing you sold on your promotion, you know, how checkers putting the ads in the UK newspapers and the Australian newspapers, how do they work out whether that was value for money or not? Are more people going to buy checkers? You know, I, I, so I, I don't know. It's, it's very similar to me talking to you and me on the radio and TV. Yes. You know, it's promoting the brand and it's hopefully adding some value to the company. But there's no direct correlation to F&B making more sales or selling more product or people investing more with F&B. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's just it's a difficult question to answer. Personally, a billion rand can go a long way, you know. Yeah, and more it's sort of micro deals. You, you could have a hundred micro deals, yeah. um, which may be more yeah, efficient. You can have a lot of little mini going to expos and going around the place and giving little promotions and advertising at the airports and stuff like that. I don't know, except that I can't imagine they've got a hundred billion budget where one billion is one percent. No. I can only assume one billion will be a significant proportion of their budget. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, anyway. I mean, they could take an ad out on a high-profile uh, TV show, like, like a week's campaign or two weeks' campaign on an um, overseas television network like CNN. Yeah, and you know, you know, and, and you know what? We've got a lot to sell you. We mm. we as South Africans are very negative about South Africa because we live here and we sit with out lights at night time and we sit in traffic because. Either there's no electricity and the robots aren't working or the robots just aren't working, electricity or no electricity. So we sit here every day in, in, and we get very negative. But from a tourist destination, this is an absolute wonderful place to come and visit. Even if you talk crime and, and everything, the, the crime on tourists in South Africa, and this is not my speculation, this is the actual number, it is incredibly small. Mm. I mean, in the in the soccer World Cup, there was, you know, there was nothing essentially. So it's very safe for tourists to come because tourists don't go to the crime hotspots and the dangerous areas. You know, they go to the tourist spots. And what could be better worldwide than what we got? And there's very few places that that can. Do. The only thing we can't really compete with is thousand-year histories, you know, we just haven't got it. Well, you but, have if you look at indigenous tribes, Wayne. I mean, yes. look, look at the sun, for example, in the Western Cape. You mean you haven't got the architectural history? And... The architectural, that's that's what I meant. There's no yeah. sort of... But, I mean, when it comes to natural beauty and spots to go and visit and, he, and you know, our, our, our history, what could be better but maybe the best thing about visiting South Africa is the, is the old Randy. Hell, it must be cheap for a foreigner. It must cost nothing. Well, this is it. Apart from the fact it's eleven hours from London or any other European major city. Yeah, what? but that's not. That's not. It's it's more or less same time zone. It's not. You know, it's not. You know, going to Australia or America, where it is, 
where your time zones are totally different. So it's, it's a 10-hour flight, 11-hour flight, but it's more or less the same time zone for the UK and for Europe. Yes, it is. Which is fantastic. You know, you come here, we all speak English. Yes, you do. You know, so and you drive on the left-hand side of the road. Drive on the left-hand side of the road. And everyone's friendlier. So, you know, it's a wonderful destination to sell as a tourist destination to sell. So the real question is, is it an efficient one billion rand spend or not? That's it. Okay, no doubt. If it goes through, because there's such an uproar from people that yes. don't see the other side of the argument, that uh, maybe that's the last thing the ANC needs at the moment is yet another scandal. But anyway, let's move on to the markets. I just want to talk about one share uh, that came out with a trading statement this morning, and that was yes. Bid Corp. Corp, yeah. Yes. That was um, a company you're quite familiar with, I'm sure. Yes, yes. That's been around in the market probably the same length as Shapira, <laughs> which is an awful long time. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, like the sun tribe. Awful, awful long time. Yes. Now, look, I know okay, the old Bitcorp was started by Brian Joffe. We all know that. Well, he started Bitvest and then Bitcorp came along. Uh, they split Bit. Bitcorp out, and that's the overseas entity, and it's extremely successful. And when you look at the trading statement, what I find unusual, look, it's very good. Obviously, the share is up enormously. But what I find a little bit unusual about the trading statement, I mean, I made the joke about it being around as long as Shapiro, and it's well-researched, and it's well-known, and it's well-established, and it's a proper blue chip. It's quite unusual for a company that's so well-researched to catch the market a little bit off-foot there. I agree, yes. because it In other did. words, this definitively surprised on the upside, definitively. This is in, that's unusual. You know, you can, yeah. This is in most portfolios, I would say, yes. in varying degrees. Yeah, yeah and there are people, yeah, this, there are so this, many this analysts be, this all will over be, it. Hmm. Yes, crawling all over it. So it, it, it's, it's, it's extremely good. That's encouraging news. And I can tell you from experience that even in the dorp that I live in, in the south of the Netherlands, I can walk. Yeah, there's, there's a bit corp. There's a, there's a bid food um, van delivering food to a restaurant or something which is impressive. Let's move on to central banks now because we've got the Fed tonight and we've got the Bank of England and ECB between now and the end of the week. Is it going to have any effect? Because it seems to me that everybody knows what's going to happen because they've almost told us what's going to happen. Do you believe that? Or when they see another rate rise yes. in black and white, they say, oh, wait a second, money's expensive, more expensive again, let's get out. What do you think the reaction will be? No, I, this is so well broadcast to the market. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a surprise at all. It will be another hike by all three, but then that's probably the last day. I know I'm putting myself out on a bit of a limb here because quite a few people think it's not the last, but I actually think it is the last hike. This is the peak now. And it will be a quarter percent by the Fed. Yes, it will be. That's been well flagged. But when, if they just take yes. a pause now, if they just sit back and they say, OK, let's have a look at what we've done over the last year and a bit and see what the reaction has been. 
And if it just goes flat, maybe even for the rest of the year, I mean, that's maybe a bit of an exaggeration. They've got to do something. But if it does, does the market say after the first three months, the, the, the second or third meeting when they do nothing? It's, this is um, just a hypothetical situation, obviously. But if that happened, two, three meetings flat, the market might say, OK, that's it for now. And then the market can start to climb. The market's already done that. And that's my only little concern is that all of that's already priced into the market. Hmm. I mean, we've had a, the world has had a, a good, solid bull market. Eh? Oh, it really has. After the last in October. Well, I agree with you. It's, it's, been, it's, it's a proper market. Yeah, it's beginning a bit choppy at this sort of 4,000 uh, yeah, level the last, on the S&P. Yeah, last, yeah, last couple of days has been a little bit negative, but that's nothing in the, the bigger scheme of things. Okay, so you're still bullish. Yes, but um, not as bullish as what I was, you know, two months ago, because it's given me not maybe not quite a year's return, but it's given me more or less what I expected for the year in two months. Very good. You know, so, but I look, look, the, the environment is still good. Make no mistake, the environment for equity is still positive. You've got all the right ingredients for a positive equity environment. You've got falling inflation, and other than today, on the investment horizon of 18 months, you've got falling interest rates, and those interest rates falling will have a positive effect on the economy, so you will have a bit of a slowdown now, but then a resumption of reasonably strong growth you know, over an 18-month, two-year period. That's what the market likes. Equities like that. So the overall environment still remains very positive, the market may just have run ahead of itself a little bit. Well, it just depends, Wayne. I mean, if the earnings season, which is in full swing in the United States of America, particularly this week where 100 S&P yeah. 500 companies report, if the earnings uh, do well, then the P-E ratios come down uh, by definition. And therefore, it might not. I mean, OK, if you look at the S&P, you might say nominally, yes, this has happened. But behind the scenes, the companies themselves may mean that they're not so expensive and um, maybe there's more more in it for you. No, there, there, there could be, but I don't think I don't think the earnings themselves are going to swing the market. You know, it's six months earnings, so the nominal the nominal decrease by an extra six months earnings being the nominal decrease in the rating of the share by companies reporting six months earnings is it's marginal there. Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, it doesn't drop it doesn't drop the PE by much. All right, so we've got the Goldilocks scenario for shares, equities at the moment, still near Goldilocks, which is great. And so we'll just wait for the Fed and the other ones and, and see what happens. I'd be very interested to see how the market reacts if all the predictions have come true. Do they say we sell or do they say we buy? I just don't know. We will see. Wayne, if, um, I'm just going to tell you a food story quickly. And I haven't had the food yet, but I want to see if you approve. Ah. I phoned my butcher today. And because uh, he's, he's a specialist in beef, he's got an organic, uh, free-range um, yeah. farm. And um, I asked him if he had any marrow bone. And he said, yes, of course we have. And I said, have you got the long Ooh. one? You've got the long ones. You know, you take the long ones and then he splits it for you. And then you just uh, put a bit of salt on it. And all you do is roast it on a high heat for about yes. 15 to 20 minutes. Get some toast and you put that thing down and you scoop it out and lather it on the toast. One of the most delicious things I've ever had. It's so, is delicious. Isn't Absolutely it? delicious. I love it. There was a restaurant that's now unfortunately closed 
and there's a bit of a story behind it, but there was a restaurant in Joburg that had marrow on toast. Oh, my God. And whenever I went there, I actually had it, and it was truly delicious because it reminds me of my youth. My grandmother, who lived just over the road from from us in Kimberley, Mm -hmm. she had one of those old coal-fired or coke-fired big cast iron stoves in her house. Yes. And, you know, she would always have a little, the coals would always be burning a little bit in the bottom. And then, not in summer, because Kimberley is so hot in summer, but in winter it's freezing. And she had an old house still with a a corrugated iron roof with not much insulation. And the kitchen was almost like a built-in veranda at the back. You know, it wasn't, it was almost like almost like an add-on, you could almost uh, uh, say. And this just had corrugated iron walls and, and a roof. And she had this huge cast iron stove in there. And in winter, she would fire the stove up. And it was so warm in there. It was absolutely lovely. And she used to make marrow on toast. And it, and it was truly, well, I, I still like it. Now, I went out, which was going to be my food story. And it wasn't just marrow. Yes. But we went out to a very fancy steakhouse in Pretoria. Now, normally, I don't go to fancy places. I like going to dives. Mm-hmm. Um, but they went to this very fancy place. We had the most delicious, uh, well, a typical Pretoria north of the Yerkeske. We had chops for starters. <laughs> yeah. And then we had steak for main course. Okay. And we just ordered platters. Yes. And there were a couple of the odd vegetables thrown in there. But on the steak platter, as sort of like a little side dish were marrow bones. Oh, Not on toast, just, you know, just marrow bones halved with the marrow in it. And you scoop and it out with a teaspoon. It was yeah. delicious. Mm. Yeah, it was truly, truly delicious. <laughs> so um, a whole lot of ex-Momentum and First National Bank guys, we get together twice a year for a dinner or a lunch, mainly, mainly a lunch. And it's been very traditional for us to go out we must have been doing it for, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years. We go out and there's a, it's, it's, it's good to see old friends again because they, they genuinely are friends of mine now. There's only two of us who are still working, although the other chaps will say they also working, but there's only two of us who still actually work. And it's a great occasion. And as I said, we went to a, a normally I choose the place because I organize it. And I will always choose the Troyville Hotel or Sesco's or the Honey Rock Motel or some, you know, some some dive place to go to. But this year I said we'll go to Pretoria because quite a few guys come from Pretoria. And uh, one chap who lives in Pretoria organized this restaurant for us. And I must say it was really good. And they had onion rings to die for as well. They had really Good onion rings. So that was it. Was a very nice lunch. Do you ever go to? Have you ever taken your um, friends to? What's it called now? Uh, not Laparinia. Uh, the Radium Bill Hall. Yes. Uh, what's I've the name? The Radium, the Radium Beer Hall in Good. the very Radium Beer Hall. Yeah, that's it. Beer Hall. Yes. In, in Jan Smuts. It's actually yeah. on Louis no, Bo- Louis Boater, I think. Yeah. As Louis Boater, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not not Jan Smuts. Louis Boater. It's in. No, I've been to the Radium Beer Hall often. And I've been there in the not too distant past, maybe, oh, maybe a year and a half ago per se, and and we had a lovely time, and then the owner died about two weeks later 
So I don't know what's happened to it since then. But the first time I went to the Radium Beer Hall was when I moved up to Johannesburg in 1988, 1989. And I've been there quite regularly. It's actually a very, very nice place. Terrible parking. Oh, my goodness. That's what I was going to say. Because you park park the streets all over the place. There's no... And, you can't get parking, yeah. And you've got to have good security in your car because it's not the most salubrious of areas. No, no, no. It's not the best area. But surprisingly enough, security is not a problem because there are 20 guys there who are going to guard your car. Oh, yeah, for a tenner, they'll so do you that. Don't yeah. you don't, you don't actually, you've got to pay them 10 rand or 20 rand, whatever it is. Yes. But their car guards deluxe there around the Radium Beer Hall. And we went there with um, some work friends. And we got there in the afternoon at about... Because once a, about once a month, we go off at three o'clock on a Friday and go and have a lunch somewhere, and it's really nice. Very and good. the Sunday, all they do is go to lunch. But my, just a side comment: my daughter once she was quite little still; she was in junior school, and she said, "You know, we've got to now. There's a project on at school tomorrow, and uh, we've got to tell our class, you know, what." You, what what our dads do, you know, what work we got. So she asked me to explain what I do. So, you know, I, I told her what I did, everything like that, and I present to people and I go around the country. And, and she said to me, Dad, so basically you go to lunch and talk to people. Well, that's so that was her interpretation of my job. The ch- children can, are very, very good at disseminating things and making them simple, yeah. Wayne. So anyway, so we went to the Radium Bell, got there about three, half past three, and it was, we were the only people there. We thought, oh, this is quite odd. Then at half past four, it changed. Yeah. Because all the, all the, 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 the companies closed down four, half past four Friday afternoon. The place was totally and utterly packed. And then they had a little band. We didn't stay for the band playing at nighttime, but they had a band coming along to play at nighttime called Black Cat Bones. <laughs> and apparently it's a hot favourite at the Radium Beer Hall. It sounds like it. And of course, you, just before we end this, because I've got to go in a moment, you had peri-peri chicken livers to start and then a mountain of prawns. And prawns. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but the other place very close to the Radium Beer Hall, which unfortunately closed down a very long time ago, was the old, the very famous Dolls Roadhouse. Oh, opposite, yeah, on the other side, yes. It, it was like yes. um, you said driving almost, like one, an American diner. Yeah, so you, you drove in, yeah, it was, it was a roadhouse, and they had blueberry cheesecake for pudding there. That was too <laughs> delicious for words. When I moved up to Joburg, I lived in Sunning Hill, but mm. there was no traffic in those days. You could go to the doll's house and back to Sunning Hill in less than 20 minutes, 15 so maybe you're maybe 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back, half an hour. And often at night, I'm sitting at home. Oh, wouldn't you love some blueberry cheesecake? Get in the car, go to the doll's house, buy it, come back home and eat it. It was at that was <laughs> And uh, the, the waiters and waitresses used to serve you in roller skates. <laughs> yes, I remember. Uh, it, it was, it was, but that, that closed a very long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, nice stories, Wayne. Thank you very much. And um, we'll speak again next week. That's Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.